الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد أولئك الذين يدعون يبتغون إلى ربهم الوسيلة أيهم أقرب ويرجون رحمته ويخافون عذابه إن عذاب ربك كان محذورا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم دخل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم على شاب وهو في سياق الموت فقال كيف تجدك فقال أرجو الله يا رسول الله أرجو الله يا رسول الله وأخاف ذنوبي فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يجتمعان في قلب عبد في مثل هذا الموطن إلا أعطاه الله ما يرجو إلا أعطاه الله ما يرجو وآمنه مما يخاف رواه ابن ماجه So dear brothers and sisters our dear friends listeners this is a time when there's a few things that we need to resort to and our deen has not left us alone in this regard but there's some very important aspects that we need to resort to at this time to remain sane to remain in a state that we can continue and make make the most out of this situation, tolerate this situation, deal with the situation, and inshallah use it to our benefit. So we've had numerous talks on sabr and patience. And sabr and patience is easy, people understand that when a calamity is upon you, we persevere. We are patient, we understand that there's not much else we can do anyway. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has afflicted us with this. It's a musibah. The word musibah in Arabic means to hit the mark. So if we're afflicted with this, it means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has intended this. In fact, nothing in this world happens without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will and power and decision anyway. And even the word, though we use it so frequently, the word musibah, it's such a common term that we've kind of forgotten the literal meaning, but the literal meaning is very important. So literal, literal meaning in Arabic of musibah comes from something which hits the mark. So when somebody is firing at a range, at a target, or when somebody is making an effort to get somewhere and they reach their target, they say, Asabt. We, in fact, we tell students when they, uh, when they get something right, we say, Asabt, like you've hit the mark, you've got it right. So that's what asaba means, and musiba means the thing which hits its mark, the thing which is right. And it has to come from Allah because everything is from Allah. So Allah knows the state we're in, and He knows the reasons why He brought us into this state. It's just we have to figure that out. So at this time we need to do sabr. But the other thing that we need to do along with the sabr, to make it even more beneficial, sabr has to come with raja. It's an Arabic concept of raja. Quranic concept, it's used in the hadith Essentially all it means is hope But a hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And that hope can only come about By understanding who Allah is And why He does things Trying to understand the wisdom behind why things happen in the world We're part of the world It's going to happen 
That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this verse of Surah Al-Isra, which I read earlier, that these are the people who try to find a means and an intermediary or some kind of worship or something else by which they can get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They hope in His reward. يَرْجُونَ rahmatah. They hope, they have hopes of his, of his mercy. They have hopes in His mercy. That's a very important characteristic for Muslims to have. That there must be some mercy for the good people in this. Of course, those who are to be punished in any situation, they will be punished and Allah knows that. We just have to make sure that we are not of the punishable ones. Those who are deserving of punishment. I don't like to bring in a negative aspect to this, but clearly there's a lot of problem out there. People are, have all sorts of thoughts going through their mind. Shaitan is running rampant to create su'udhanni billah. We need husnudhan. Husnudhan means a good opinion about something. Remember, in any situation that we deal with, we, have to, we can look at it in various different ways. Then among people, you have several different types of people. You have those who are on the one extreme of being so skeptical, so negative, that anything they see, they actually look for the evil in it first. They look for the negativity in it first. They, they will never go towards the positive side of the positive interpretation. They will always look at, it must, that those two people are meeting together, they must be hatching a plot. They must be speaking against me. It's a really sad state of affairs if somebody's mind is polluted, overtaken, overcome with this because they're constantly going to have negative thoughts. And these people know themselves that they're like this, but they can't get out of it. They need help. Then you've got the other, other side of things where they take things in, everything should be, everything they take in a very positive light, even if it's completely negative. For the most part, comparing the two situations, the one who takes things in the positive is probably better off. Always, one does need to take their precautions. So just to be optimistic about everything in an unrealistic way is not correct. We understand that from verses of the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about those who do deeds and then they have hope in Allah. So having just pure optimism without doing any deeds, with doing nothing, showing nothing, no, making no effort, and just having this hope that, oh, don't worry, Allah is forgiving. He is forgiving, but there are conditions under which He forgives. There are reasons why He forgives. And aren't we supposed to show something? Somebody's forgiving. So are we supposed to try to challenge His forgivingness by not doing anything? So you must still forgive me because I don't do anything. So one needs to understand that while Allah is the most forgiving, the most frequently forgiving, most abundantly forgiving, forgiving, forgiving of not just the minor, but the most major sins. We have to do our part to make us worthy of that forgiveness. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, along with being forgiving, also has some other characteristics like the qahar, the vanquisher, the muntaqim, the avenger, the punisher. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has all of these things, the one from whom harm can come when he wants it. So why do we have this notion of God as just being Somebody who's just going to forgive you and not do anything else. Why? How do we limit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to that characteristic? That's why it's important to have a healthy dose of optimism, especially in difficult times. Especially in difficult times, optimism and hope are very, very important. We do our part. We make an effort. 
But we hope to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He will forgive us for our shortcomings. So that's why but there's a balance. They are in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mentioning this verse that they are hoping for His mercy, but at the same time they're also understanding that He has all of these other names and He can do all of these other things. And so they are worried about His punishment. Then a very important hadith that gives us an understanding. Uh, there's a hadith by Ibn Majah in which the Prophet ﷺ went to visit this young man. Now this young man is about to die. So he's in his last throes. And the Prophet ﷺ is asking him, I mean it's a terminal illness, he seems like he's going to be dying soon. So the Prophet ﷺ said, كَيْفَ How are you finding yourself? How are you today? What's your state? SubhanAllah, this, this youth says, I hope in Allah, O Messenger of Allah. I have hope in Allah, O Messenger of Allah. But I do fear for my sins. I'm fearing my sins, but I still have hope in Allah. That's the balance. This is the time to weed out and understand what our sins are, what our wrongs are. But have hope in Allah. That hope in Allah, you might be thinking, but maybe I'm one of the punishable ones. Believe me, if you have hope in Allah, inshallah, you will not be of the punishable ones. To have hope that Allah, a true hope, while forgiveness, while understanding we have mistakes and wrongs and making an effort to change them, that in itself is the right state of mind, the right state of heart. The right state of heart. And if Allah can give that to someone, where they're remembering their wrongdoings, they're regretful, they feel that they've made a lot of mistakes, and they feel vulnerable because of this. They feel worthy of punishment. But then on the other hand, they also know all of the great characteristics and the mercy that comes from Allah. If they've got that, then that's a very good place to be. That's a very good place to be. So then, when he said this, he says, I have hope in Allah, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, but I do fear for my sins. So the Prophet ﷺ gave him a huge amount of reassurance, inshallah, which can help so many today. There are so many today. I mean, the number of deaths that we're hearing about on a frequent basis. Deaths always happen. It's a historical reality of human beings that they have to leave this and depart this world. But right now we're hearing nearly every day somebody is dying related to somebody we may know or somebody who we may know a connection of. So there's a lot of people who've lost family members, who've lost loved ones. They themselves are in fear. And there's a lot of other people who are currently in fear and depression themselves. Just look at this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ turned to him and he said that this feeling that you've just explained, especially when you're in this kind of end of life state, vulnerable state, when you think you're going to die, and you can still have this kind of thought in your mind of hoping in Allah but obviously worried about your sins. He says, this state cannot come about in this kind of a circumstance in anybody except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for him and bestow upon him that which he is hoping for. And will grant him safety and security from what he is fearing. So that fear needs to be there and that hope needs to be there. Then Allah will provide security from the fear and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide 
will gift us that which we hope in Him. That's what Allah is there for. That's what Allah is there for, to give us. To give to those, He's just waiting for an excuse. He's reminding in the Qur'an over and over again, just waiting for an excuse. Just show me that submission. Just show me that servitude. Just show me that you care. Just show me that you believe. Just show me that you have hope. Just show me you've got the right understanding. And that you hope in me and you're fearful of what you've done wrong. Or what you may have done wrong. And I'll give you. I'll give you, I'll give you more than you can imagine. The last person out of hellfire. The greatest of the sinners ever to live in this world. From all the nations. Among all the nations before us. When he comes out of hellfire eventually after being purified. Even he will get a paradise the size of this world. Or ten times the size of this world according to the various narrations. That's Allah's mercy and His reward, His ampleness, His extensiveness, the breadth of reward and the treasure that He, he has control over. It's amazing. Do not underestimate Allah. But you have to have that hope. That's why Ar-Raja, the concept in Arabic of hope, is essentially defined by ulama as husnu dhanni billahi ta'ala. Husnul dhanni billahi ta'ala. A good opinion about Allah. A good, this is very important to understand. Raja and husnul dhan, Arabic concepts. But husnul dhan means having a good opinion. Optimistic opinion about Allah. That He will accept our deeds. And He will grant us forgiveness for the wrongs that we have made tawbah from. So tawbah is an essential characteristic. We do tawbah. We repent. And then we, we have hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept whatever little deed that we've done. And even the tawbah is a good deed. So we get reward for doing the tawbah. Not just forgiveness, but anybody who does tawbah as a ta'ib, as a repentant person, they actually get reward for the tawbah on top of it. So that's why when a person does seek forgiveness for sins and repents, they actually end up with more deeds. The sins get cancelled the deeds are increased. I mean, there's, أُولَٰئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتِ We have verses to that effect, but the, I, what I see as the underlying reasoning behind it is that when a person makes tawbah, he is fulfilling the command of Allah. He's doing what a servant needs to do. Right? He or she is following the command of Allah of repenting from the mistakes they've made. When you follow the command of Allah, you're rewarded, you get closer to Him. So through the sin, which you did inadvertently in times of past, you make the tawbah now, we can actually come out of this problem that we're, this, this disease that is going around, this calamity that's going around, we can all come out better. And this is maybe what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us, the Muslim ummah to finally wake up and to increase the number of those people who pray from whatever five, ten people or whatever the Statistics are maybe 20 people, 20%, maybe 40% of people, Muslims who actually pray around the world regularly, except just Friday. You know, you always have more people who pray on Friday. You have then a bit more people who may go to a janazah and do a janazah prayer. Then you'll have more people who do Eid prayer. If we can get the people who do Eid prayer to do every prayer, even if it's not in the masjid, but they actually start praying five days, that's going to be a huge benefit. Can you imagine... All of that because every time somebody prays, there is peace and goodness that is engendered by that. It's a worship of Allah. 
when a person worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way, shape or form, especially with what he's commanded and especially with something as powerful as prayer, as indispensable as prayer. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it obligatory upon us five times a day when he knows we're going to be busy. Fasting is only once a year. Zakat is also once a year and that's if you've got the money. You're not obliged. But he knows that prayer is something which is very important for us. That's our manual of life. So prayer is a must. Prayer is a must. And I'm not just rhetorically saying that. This is an important thing. We need to turn to prayer. Salat. Salat. If we can get an increase in the number of people who pray five times, then can you imagine the rahmah, the mercy that's going to be engendered by that? When a person prays, there's a mercy that descends. Allah looks upon such a person with mercy and acceptance and blessing. Muslims need blessings. The world needs blessings. Humans need blessings. Who's going to provide that blessings except people of faith? Our philosophy, our understanding, our belief system, our doctrine, our theology tells us that there's a God, there's a creator who created us. He's told us to do certain things. Every Muslim believes that. Everybody who, every Muslim worth their soul who has an understanding of their theology, a proper believer will understand that even if they don't pray. Let us make that a reality. Because by that prayer, inshallah, so much mercy will descend. This virus can be deactivated. It can be lifted. It can be stopped. It can be basically stopped tomorrow, if Allah so wills. This happened in the past. You've had scholars speaking about it where certain du'as were made. Certain other practices were initiated. Uh, just writing about seerah. Discussing seerah of the Prophet ﷺ and people becoming more knowledgeable and aware of the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ brought about so much mercy because the Prophet ﷺ is the mercy of the world. I mean, it's actually said that there was a, a waba, one of these illnesses that was going around in the UP area of India. And Hakim al Ummat Mawlana Shavitani had started, when he started writing his Nashru Tib, which is this amazing biography of the Prophet, very unique in the, way he's the, in the way he's doing it. So when he had the time, he started working on it. When he started working on it, now again, you can say this is correlation or causation, you can call it whatever you want. It's an observational a phenomenon that was observed that the illness diminished. The deaths diminished while he was on, in doing this work. And then he stopped for some reason. He got distracted with something. He had to do something else and it increased again. So then he decided that he will at least work for a short time. He'll work at least on a few pages or something of this book. And it's one of the most amazing Sira books that I have read because what it does is that it actually brings, about, brings together all the various narrations regarding many of the issues that the Prophet went through. For example, Mi'raj, the ascension. And it talks about all the ahadith and reconciles them to give an understanding, and harmonious understanding of what they mean. It's an amazing book. So, just by doing that, they observed the difference. That's a small, that's just one thing that somebody was doing. We all have to do something. We don't have to be like Hakim al because the God that he was writing this for Right, that the God that was providing the relief, Allah is still here and He's our Lord. And He has value for everybody. Allah values every person because we are His bonds people. He says that the best of you are those who are the best to His bondsmen. The best of us are those who are best to His people. 
if he is going to act so well and treat so well those who are good to others, then us, ourselves, the bondsmen of Allah, the slaves of Allah, Allah loves us. He just wants us to show our love as well, to reciprocate that love. And you will see that he will give us in huge amounts because he has ampleness. Allah is not, Allah, Allah has no, Allah is full of generosity. Allah is full of benevolence. Allah is the Wahhab. He is the frequent, the abundant and the greatest of givers. That's his name, Wahhab. This is a very important time. Believe me, this is a very important time to get the names of Allah with the translation and focus on his names. That is one of the best ways to get to know Allah more. So for example, when you are administrating medicine to your loved ones at this time and they're sick, or you're taking medicine yourself, take it while invoking his name, Ya Shafi. So when you're taking a medicine and you're applying medicine, say Ya Shafi, Ishvihi. There are du'as to this effect, but at least, minimally, Ya Shafi. When we're seeking forgiveness, we ask for Ya Ghafoor. We invoke him by saying, Ya Ghafoor. When we want something from him, we say, Ya Wahhab. When we want forgiveness from him, when we want, when we want tolerance from him, we again, Ya Halim, O Forbearer. When, we, when there's a subtle matter and it needs sophisticated attention, Ya Latif. There's a name for everything. But unfortunately, our ignorance of his names is not very helpful. We're being deprived of a huge resource. The amount of mercy and qualities of Allah that can be invoked just by taking his name. So please get a, get a collection of his names with the translations. We have it. There's numerous dua books that have them. We have it in our Reflections of Pearls. Uh, you can get so many other du'a books. You can probably find them online with a good translation. There are also uh, Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, has a book, Al-Maqsad Al-Asna, Fi Asma'illah Al-Husna. It's been translated into English. A name on the book, uh, a book on the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be very appropriate for us to get to understand who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. You'll see his multifaceted entity, how he is in everything, how he does everything. How he's involved in everything. In fact, there is nothing that he's not involved in. You can understand that comprehensive nature, inshaAllah. And that's why in Surah Yusuf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّهُ لَا يَيْأَسْ مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْكَافِرُونَ Only the complete disbelievers, meaning who doesn't believe in Allah. Anybody who doesn't believe in Allah, only they can be despondent of Allah's mercy. Nobody else can be. If you believe in him, he's there for you. He is the merciful one. He is the giving one. He reminds us that he's merciful so many times a day. So how can somebody? It's just not intuitive idea. Just doesn't make any sense. It's disingenuous. How can a person be despondent? That's why hope in Allah is very important. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the famous verse in Surah Al-Zumar, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَتُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ O oh, my servants who have transgressed against themselves, who've gone beyond the measures, beyond what is required for themselves, you must not be despondent in the mercy of Allah because Allah forgives all sins. All sins, jami'ah. Allah forgives everything, minor, major, as heinous as it may be. We get questions. There's a sin I've committed and I've done it so many times, I can't see forgiveness for it. That's just shaitan giving that is just shaitan providing 
a bad opinion about Allah. He's just working on our ignorance of Allah. We have to revive our understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. And this is the best time and the most important time to revive our understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. Then Allah says, Innahu huwal ghafoor rahim. He's the all-forgiving and the merciful. Another hadith which is related by Imam Bukhari, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَمَّا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ الْخَلْقِ Allah when he created creation, all created beings when he created them, he wrote. And this is like a self-prescription, that this is a, a vow you take upon yourself. This is like our mission statement. Nothing is obligatory upon Allah. But if somebody takes upon themselves that, look, I'm going to be nice to you from now. I'm going to be very tolerant of you. I'm going to do my best to forgive you. I'm going to be, do my best to give you every chance, to give you every excuse. He doesn't have to do that with his justice. The rule of justice in the world says that somebody does something wrong, you can punish them. They're eligible for punishment. But Allah says that now I'm going to take, I'm going to give you a promise almost. And I'm going to give you the hope that in the rahmati taghlibu ghadabi. And this is actually to make it, to show its impression, he had it written above the arsh. This is the statement, this is the motto. That my mercy is going to overcome my anger. So I'm more likely to deal with something with mercy than with anger. Even when you, there's absolute justification to be angry somewhere, I'm going to deal with mercy. That doesn't mean there can't be any anger. But for the most part, as far as possible, I'm going to deal with mercy. And Allah is the most clement. And Allah has the greatest mercy. So how can that not be? Then the hadith that we read the other day where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala split mercy as, a, as an idea into a hundred parts. And only one of those parts is basically spread across the world, across the universe, in every created being. That's what they use. He has still 99, so you can understand that. Another one, let's just look at how some of the Sahaba and Tabi'een understood this, practiced this, implemented it in their lives. So you have the great Tabi'i, Sufyan al-Thawri. Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah, actually once made a statement giving, giving preference to the mercy of Allah over, over the mercy of his own parents. And the way he said it is this, he says, مَا أُحِبُّ أَنْ يُجْعَلَ حِسَابِي إِلَىٰ أَبَوَيْ لِأَنِّي أَعْلَمُ أَنَّ اللَّهَ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَىٰ أَرْحَمُ بِي مِنْهُمَا Seriously, only somebody who's understood the names of Allah and who's got the ma'rifah, the gnosis, the understanding of Allah is through the Qur'an and Sunnah, right, will be able to see this. Because otherwise everybody knows their parents are very merciful to them. The, the, probably the only people you can rely on to sacrifice themselves for you, to want better for you than them, to want to see you get ahead than themselves because of selfishness that is generally inherent among people. So the only ones that would be willing to put themselves in front of you and take the bullet for you and to sacrifice themselves for you is your parents. And Sahabi, this, this, this Tabi'i, Sufyan al-Thawri understands this well. So he is willing... He knows it's a reality anyway, but he makes that declaration 
that I'd rather let my hisab and reckoning on the day of judgment be done by Allah than even my parents. When you have a case in court, you cannot summon your parents to be your witnesses or your children. They're too close. There's too much bias there. There's too much self-interest. This not allowed. But knowing that, he knows Allah's mercy. And we can just hope for these are people who read hadith and Quran day in and day out. They know Allah better than anybody else. And that's, this, then there's also another understanding from Fudayl ibn Iyad, rahimahullah. He's on the day of Arafah, day of Arafah. And he's looking at the, at the people in Arafah. It's a day when people really get together and they really do the worship. It's the day that you'll actually see where people do not generally mess around in the Maidan of Arafah. He sees the people standing up and doing their wukuf, doing their standing and crying and weeping and humbly entreating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he was somebody who was standing next to him. This is something probably that dawned on him by looking at all of this, that he thought of Allah, he thought of Allah's mercy, he thought about Allah's relationship with the people. He saw the people eager to look for the mercy of Allah, seeking the mercy of Allah. And he says to this person next to him, he says, أَرَأَيْتْ أَنَّ هَؤُلَاءِ كُلَّهُمْ وَاقِفُونَ عَلَىٰ بَابِ رَجُلٍ مِنَ الْأَغْنِيَاءِ يَطْلُبُونَ دَانِقًا أَكَانَ يَرُدُّهُمْ Imagine all of these multiplicity of people, these huge swathes of people. This huge body and mass of people gathered together, standing up, praising Allah, seeking from Allah, seeking forgiveness, seeking mercy. If these people in that same state were to go to a person and just ask him for one-sixth of a dirham, that's, a, that's pennies, literally. That's pennies, because a dirham is probably not even a pound today. Few pennies. Would the guy not give it to them? Even maybe just to get rid of them, he'd probably give it to them. He'd probably give them more than that. He'd probably give them a hundred times more. Like, just, just take this and go. Like, what difference does it make to me? So look at the example that he thinks of about Allah. That's how we need to think of Allah. This is an important thought. This is not from the Quran. and This, is not, this example is not in the Quran and Sunnah. This is an example that came in his mind based on his understanding of the Quran and Sunnah. I'm sure each one of us can uniquely think about Allah in a positive way like this with our own examples. We've seen the mercy of Allah in our lives. So many times in our past history where we've gotten things without having expected it. Trouble has disappeared when we thought it wasn't going to. Difficulties have become facilitated. There are so many times that Allah has gifted us but we never thought about him. We didn't take that time to do shukr and revive our understanding of how great Allah is. And that he is behind everything. Simple example, let's just say that you are a store owner, you do business. Whether online or otherwise. Just think about it every time you get, a, you get an order. Every time you get a customer. It's a very exciting moment. Every time you get a customer is a very exciting moment, right? Because that's what you're doing business for. You want to get rid of stuff. You want to make the money. And every sale is part of your objective. So you're very excited. 
Now, I believe that every person who thinks of Allah at this moment, that Alhamdulillah, I've got this order. Shukr. Thank you, Allah. Gratitude. They're not only gonna, are they going to enjoy the profits of what they're doing and the blessing of their business, but Allah will give them a lot more. Because when you do shukr, Allah gives you more. These are the Islamic concepts that we need to revive in our lives. Our lives are just empty, devoid. That's why we run around. We're only fine when things are going well. We're only fine. We're only outwardly fine when things are going well outside. But internally there's a turmoil. That turmoil can be resisted, can be removed by just changing the way we look at things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why he says, I do not want, Sufyan al said, I do not want my parents to take my hisab, my reckoning. I'd rather Allah have it because Allahu tabaraka wa ta'ala alam because I completely know, I know for sure that Allah, Allah, most blessed is He and most high is He, is more merciful to me than them. There are hadith and verses that talk about the mercy of Allah on the Day of Judgment. Whereas Allah says about people, يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبِنْ Your own wife, your own spouse, who would do anything for you maybe in this world. You've got so much love for them, but on that day it's going to be a bit different. It's going to be a lot different. But what's amazing is that if you love somebody for the sake of Allah, then they will be helpful to you on the Day of Judgment. They're going to look out for you. If two people love each other for the sake of Allah, then we hope they won't run away from one another because we have incidents about that, which indicate that if they get to paradise, they're going to be looking for those people who they love for that because there will not be any selfishness in that. So that's why when you have love for anyone, whether that be your parents or your children, or your spouse, it should be for the sake of Allah. Which basically means that you do not disobey Allah in your relationship, or for your relationship, or because of your relationship. It's a pure relationship. So finally, I'm going to just leave this hadith of Muslim with us, just to, just to go around in our mind. لا يموتن أحدكم لا يموتن أحدكم إلا وهو يحسن الظن بالله تعالى Simple as that. None of you should die when in a state that they do not have an excellent hope in Allah, that they do not have beautiful hopes in Allah, that they do not have the best hope in Allah. None of you should die while allowing yourself to have bad hopes in Allah. Now you cannot leave this to the last minute. You have to train ourselves the way I explained earlier by just understanding how these tabi'een did it, the examples they came up with, Understanding the mercy of Allah, remembering Allah, so that when we actually die, we die in a way that, you know what? I'm happy to be going. I'm happy to be going. Because remember, there's a dua of the Prophet, it's in, it's in Al Hizbul A'zam, which says, Oh Allah, I seek your refuge from the mischief of shaitan at my death. Because if a person is not strong, then shaitan will come and create mischief at that time give you different ideas provide a lot of despondency so that a person may say something even worse at that time and die in a wrong state that's why we keep making this dua and we keep improving our understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can treat us with this mercy that is abundantly available there anyway may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assist us 
none of us should die without this fear of without this uh, without this feeling of good hope in Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala none of us should die without this good hope in Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala which we start from now so may Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala grant us that hope and may Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala show us better days it has to be it has to be as i say it has to get worse before it gets better that's up to Allah but by after every night comes a day that's a reality of this world every night after every night comes a day and sometimes the darkest portion of the night is just before it gets bright. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is going to end. But we just want to come out of it better than we were we before. And here we have Ramadan also around the corner. So that will inshallah help. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta ya dhal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghih. اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جزا الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله يا أكرم الأكرمين يا معدن الجود والكرم يا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين we ask you for your special mercy we ask you for your special grace يا الله we ask you for your generosity يا الله we ask you for hope we ask that you grant us an understanding of your ways and your characteristics, your attributes. Oh Allah, we want to be closer to you. Oh Allah, allow this time to be a means of good solitude, of good reflection. Oh Allah, of becoming closer to you. Oh Allah, you have given us more than so many others in this world. You have given us abundantly. Oh Allah, accept from us. Do not allow us to use what you have given us in your disobedience. Oh Allah, allow us to use what you have given us in your obedience. O oh Allah, those who are struggling with various different problems in their life, O oh Allah, we ask that you remove those problems, grant them relief, grant them the proper understanding of how to deal with their issues. O oh Allah, problems are inevitable in this world. O oh Allah, we ask you that you just allow us, give us the understanding of how to deal with them. O oh Allah, that you increase our love in you, our hope in you, and our thanks to you. Oh Allah, we ask that you allow these masjids to reopen, that you remove this waba and this calamity, this difficulty. Oh Allah, that you do not allow this to be a fitna for us and allow us to become worse in our situation and to become further from you. Oh Allah, bless all of those who are working hard even during this time to assist others. Oh Allah, make us also among those who are not selfish and who help others so that your help can also come to us. Oh Allah, grant us the tawfiq, grant us the divine enablement to do that which is most useful, most appropriate and most correct in everything that we do in this life, but especially at this time. Protect us from the shaitan and his mischief on our deathbed. Oh Allah, make our barzakh, our qabr, our afterlife excellent for us. Oh Allah, we know we're asking you that which you only give to your awliya, but, O oh Allah, we ask that you also make us of your awliya and your friends. Our actions may not be up to it, but, O oh Allah, we ask you for tawfiq. We ask you for forgiveness. We ask you for complete purity. O oh Allah, we ask you special forgiveness, especially for those sins which are part of our life and we no longer consider them sins anymore. O oh Allah, grant us discerning and understanding. O oh Allah, remove these sins, remove these sins, remove these sins, especially those that are preventing your mercy from coming upon us, that has brought this difficulty upon the ummah. O oh Allah, 
that has brought this difficulty and this calamity upon the ummah that has created the darknesses oh Allah we have at least a glimmer of hope we still have iman we still have hope and it is only this hope and it is only light as, as small as that light as dim as that light may be that can remove the darkness oh Allah it's only light that can remove darkness oh Allah that's why we have hope in this iman that we have even if it's weak in our in our hearts that it will remove this darkness and the darknesses of this world and the darknesses of these calamities and we ask we ask you allah to strengthen this light in us oh allah we have hope grant us more hope oh allah accept from us subhana rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin